0: I'm ready to play fantasy. I know I turn two in that day, but the lace is in hot in my veins. I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today and smash play. I'm prepared to listen. The X fipping whip got me looking way past the pitches, statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first, he can say I'm ready to go. <laughs> I ain't tryna steal second or third because i want to win first how am i to put all of these numbers to words i know the terms from a to z it's like a gift and a curse i know the difference between a splitter and a curve but if i can't put it in the points man and what's it worth i need the truth i need knowledge found this podcast with all of it but well, what they call it turn two Turn Turn two.
1: two, all right everybody welcome back to the turn two podcast uh, we are back continuing on our 30 team preview series with the atlanta braves as we move along we just did the diamondbacks in the last show if you missed that one uh i am your host matt williams uh joining me on the show is mr Corey Ott. welcome back for the second show as we dive into the braves what's up Corey?
2: not much how you doing today matt
1: yeah <laughs> you sound super excited to be here man
2: <laughs> it's just the first day of work you know i'm a little tired so <laughs> it's just one of those things i gotta get used to again
1: uh so <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to the Atlanta Braves. Anyone who missed the Arizona Diamondbacks, we're basically going through every single team alphabetically by city. Uh, we're going to go through the entire lineup, uh, the bench, minor leagues, rotation, bullpen, tell you everything you need to know as far as the fantasy baseball uh, implications. And we don't know exactly what that means. They could be playing at home. Probably not. They could be playing in Arizona or Florida. Maybe. There's been talks of anyone that has a city that has been cleared to play, they could play So we're going to go again, Uh, player by player real quick are the ones that you need to know something about. Some are obvious, some you just don't have to care about. And if a change of environment is important, we'll get into it. Um, If anything, you know, if they're in a new stadium that you need to know about, we'll get into it. So pretty much anything important. We will let you know. So, uh, let's start with the lineup. Let's just hop right into it. The leading off, uh, which anyone wants to know the lineup we are using, this is Roster Resource. You can find them at rosterresource.com or Fangraphs, where they're moving to more full time. Uh, Ronald Acuna leading off. Nothing really to see here. Uh, number one in Roto takes a big ding in points leagues because of the no, stole, you know, the stolen base is not mattering as much. Uh, there's no rumors on him playing anywhere that's going to really change his value. He's either playing in Atlanta or he's playing in Florida um if if he goes to arizona we won't mention this again if everyone happens to be there everyone will get the same kind of boost uh in hitting generally uh but he won't see in general the kind of hitter he is he's just he is who he is uh you know take him first overall in my opinion in roto some people say trout either way he's in your top three
2: yeah acuna is just the raw player that he is um he should be more refined this season even uh you could stick him anywhere uh, in the outfield, in my opinion, you can stick him anywhere in the lineup, it doesn't really matter. But him and Albies one two punch at the top that is, uh, that's a very, very critical two at the top,
1: yeah. Um, yeah, so Ron he is who he is, he's great. Uh, moving on, Ozzy Albies, not a ton to say here, but we will talk about him a little bit. Um, he's interesting because in his, uh, you know, after his rookie year, he kind of had like a, um, you know, people were really excited about him, He he really fell off. Um, towards the end, especially from a platoon perspective, which which uh, gave people pause going into last season. And he really seemed to correct a lot of those. Um, two big things were, uh, you know, like I said, that uh, he seemed to have a big issue against uh, right-handers. Uh, it looked like he could be on his way to uh, suffering there. He, he, again, he, he wasn't like a superstar last year. He wasn't like Chipper Jones, but who is? But he batted 267 versus righties, still 389 versus lefties. Uh, so that's Fantastic. He's also the 11th player ever to only have to have 40 doubles and 20 home runs in the first two seasons so i mean this guy's special his barrel percentage is up his hard contact percentage is up exit velocity was up um looking at everything he did i mean he's only 23 years old there's a lot of room for him to get better if he could continue like his line drive percentage has gone up three years in a row if he continue to go that direction i can see him becoming a 300 hitter but that would probably take away from some of his power so it's yet it, it it um it remains to be seen what direction he'll go there. If anything, I'd say best guess is we probably see exactly what we saw last season this season as far as a pace. Uh, I know it's a weird season, you know that it's a limited, more of a limited sample size. So take that with a grain of salt. But uh, yeah, absolutely love Ozzie Albie's. Anyone that is um, afraid of him, I wouldn't be. Uh, also, his change of environment, I wouldn't necessarily care about. Uh, one cool thing about him is stolen bases. He kind of has an untapped ceiling. Since he's gone in the majors, he's stolen like 14 and 15 bases or, you know, 14 and 15, 14 and 15, I think in the minors, he's still 22, 29, 30, 29. So he has that in him. Um, It's just a matter of opportunity. They're batting him second. Obviously leadoff will be a little better, but at the top of that lineup, he, he certainly has the speed to do it. Um, So that's something that could happen always. So draft him exactly where he's going. I'm fine even pulling a little ahead of where his ADP is because I think there's some batting average that's open and I think there's a stolen base potential that uh he has yet to untap um what do you think of Ozzie Albies just because he's an interesting Acuna's at the top no matter what but Albies is a guy you know either you believe in or you don't I do
2: yeah I absolutely believe in Ozzy Albies and the steps that, that he's taken forward year to year um it's linear growth anytime you see linear growth Um, and progression in a player throughout the MLB, you know, at the highest level, that is, um, you know, that displays premium talent, and that displays someone who's willing to put the time, uh, you know, in in the offseason to make those strides, and and the fact that, um, you know, it's for him to become a 300 hitter, he just needs to hit, like, 280 against uh, right-handed hitters, right? Like, he's, you know, he's not that far away. If he just improves his approach against right-handed hitters and stops striking out so much, Um, I mean, that's where, you know, that's where a good 80% of his strikeouts lies against right hand hitters. So if he can, you know, change his approach, uh, hit for contact against righties and keep doing what he does against lefties, he's going to turn out to be, you know, number one, number two, second baseman in the league.
1: Yeah. One thing I didn't mention, if anyone's, you know, I brought up a 300 hitter, but I didn't mention any of his plate discipline. Uh, it's because, Uh, A lot. Some people point to his uh, his O swing or swinging strike rate improving. It didn't Uh actually. It it, it, none of that actually happened. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He didn't see an improvement in plate discipline. But people will point to the fact that his his walk to strikeout improved. But that is kind of a a fault. That is kind of false because if you look at his expected statistics, uh, he got a little lucky in that department. Whether it's called strikes or what have you, his expected walk percentage, expected strike percentage is actually more in line with what he did before. So. Um, he, again, he's 23. He's, I think he will improve, but it's not something I'll cite as improvement because that's, it's, uh, it's kind of fake if you point to that, because there was no actual improvement in play discipline. Um, moving on Freddie Freeman, nothing to see here either. He's Freddie Freeman, everybody. <laughs> uh, if he, you know, if he played, if he happened, I mean, in the realignment we saw, uh, if he played in Florida versus Atlanta, I don't see a big difference there at all. If he happened to be in, in Arizona, he'd get the same bump everyone else does, but He's Freddie Freeman. You know, he's the number one first baseman off the board uh, for a reason. I I got nothing to add on Freddie.
2: Yeah, not much to really, you know, lay down on Freddie. That's new to anyone. You know, he could take a couple days off and benefit from a DH role. If they implement the universal DH, they could, Mm -hmm. you know, reserve health that way with him. Um, But, you know, he's going to do what he does if he's healthy. And that's, you know, that's exactly what you want. Your three hole.
1: Uh, then next up is uh, Marcel Ozuna, who's, who was brought in. The Atlanta Braves lose Josh Donaldson uh, to the Minnesota Twins, causes you know, shifts in their lineup as well. So people were hoping that maybe, um, I don't know, Austin Riley could see some time in the outfield. They were going to put Camargo at third. But, no, they bring in Ozuna. That completely shuts that down. Austin Riley to the minors. Now maybe there's an everyday DH. Possibly Austin Riley could be back. Uh, but either way, Marcelo Zun is in left, probably batting cleanup for the Braves. Kind of weird. This guy is weird. Um, <laughs> last year, a lot of people thought he was had an awful year, 29 home runs and 12 stolen bases. <laughs> Everyone kind of has an opinion. And the 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 obvious thing is to point to a 257 Babip when his career is around 300 to 320 and be like, all right, he was unlucky. And it's not necessarily that simple because I mean, there you can look at some things like right in 2017, he batted 312. 376 on base, 4, 548 slugging, 37 home runs, 124 RBIs. He did that with a 355 bat. bit. that was never happening again, all the sharp people knew it, but they were, you were hoping he'd get closer because really all of his career metrics look similar, even in last year. I mean, his exit velocity is still 93 percentile, hard hit percentage, 96 percentile, X slugging, 91 percentile. And that's kind of where he is every year. So what the hell happened last year? Um, you know, he even had a career high walk percentage last year and his ISO was around the same as it was in 2017. Again, the 257 BABIP, you just assume that's it. Right. <laughs> but the things that cause low BABIP typically looks go by them little by little, uh, slow sprint speed. No, uh, not a problem for Ozuna. In fact, he stole 12 bases last year. I don't know if that's going to happen again. Uh, elevated fly ball percentage. No, um, fine for Ozuna elevated pop-up rate. Not really. It's kind of where he, he is. Uh, high pull percentage. Hell yes. Uh That is an issue for him. He pulled the ball 49.5% of the time where he's usually in the high 30s. Um, But I looked into certain things like, you know, they don't really shift on him too much. They shifted up 4.5% on him last year. But he had, uh, I think he had a 390 Woba versus the shift. So he actually did a well against the shift. <laughs> um, if he's going to continue to pull it 50% of the time, they will shift on him more and it'll probably become an issue. So it's not that Um, low, low line drive percentage. No hits tons of line drives below average hard hit percentage. No, he hits the ball incredibly hard. So there's not that many boxes when you look for what could bring down a, a babbit, but the main thing is the, the pull percentage. And as far as I can tell, the only thing that is a big deal is um, ground balls for his for his career versus ground balls, Marcelo Zuna batted 290. Last year, he batted 156. Mm. So he's pulling the ball, and he appeared to be pulling the ball directly into the ground <laughs> and right to, uh, again, if they're shifting at all, uh, <laughs> right to the third baseman and shortstop. So that appeared to be a big problem. So for anyone saying he automatically will jump back up, I wouldn't count on it because if he's going to pull the ball like he was, and they shift on him more, That it could get worse. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I I think I'm I'm happy to draft him because, again, even with all that, he had 29 home runs, 12 stolen bases. Again, the stolen bases aren't a given. That's a career high for him. Uh, but what do you think of Marcelo Zuna? There's kind of a lot to unpack there. The obvious thing is to just look at all the stat cast metrics and that Babbitt be <laughs> like, all right, he's great. But I wouldn't overdraft him because I think there's enough here to show that it actually could be worse if the defenses are smart against him. That's all.
2: <laughs> yeah, you raised a heap of great points there, Matt, um, about Ozuna and the poll percentage and everything. And that, you know, that is everything that I had in mind. And just to add one thing, um, you know, the amount of uh, breaking balls that he started to see jumped in 2020 or in 2019. And, you know, he absolutely crushes the fastball, right? Like every single, you know, every year almost he's hitting over 300 on a fastball. Last year he hit 149 against breaking balls. And I'm assuming since his XBA is 201, that a lot of those breaking balls were pulled to the left side. Um, So to, you know, your point, to my point, working in tandem there with Ozuna, um, pulling ground balls on off-speed pitches is, is his major problem. And so if he can start to hit breaking balls better, if he can refine his approach, then I can see taking him where he is still. But, you know, right now he's just a fastball hitter and pitchers have learned that after yes. two years of facing him. So expect changes there.
1: Yeah, the I, I, best thing I can do for my best guess is I think the power will be there, yep. uh, but the batting average may not. Because if you look at 20, 2019, he had a 21- 22.1 home run to fly ball ratio. Second high of his, of his career in 2017, he had 37 home runs on a 23.4 home run to fly ball ratio. That was uh home run every 16 and a half at bats last year. He hit a home run every 16.7 at bats. <laughs> so, um, you know, that, that, that power pace you're hoping for was there. And if you believe that there was some bad luck, which maybe there was some cause that, you know, the Babbitt yeah. was well below his career average, then, you know, you can hope for a little better, but yeah, just don't just don't assume you're about to see the best year of his career because he already had that and he ain't doing it again.
2: <laughs> yeah, and pitchers are throwing, you know, in the zone to him even more. And so like breaking balls in the zone, he's either pulling them into the ground or he's striking out. Yeah. And that's a major problem because the zone percentage against him, you know, is decreasing every single year. And um, you know, if he's not going to be able to make improvements against the breaking ball, then they're they're gonna it's gonna start to catch up with him.
1: Uh, Travis Darnot, uh backs him up. I don't really, I don't have a strong opinion on him when he's healthy. He can hit. Um, he's never healthy enough to hit <laughs> that for over a full season, his best years, right. his best year, as far as uh, at bats, he had 385, which, you know, he's a catcher. He's not going to get a ton, but um, 2017, he had 348 last year he had 351. And then he capped that off with 16 home runs in each of those last two years batting between two forty and two fifty. So given his, even though he's batting fifth in the Braves lineup, which is honestly probably the best thing he has going for him, at least according to <laughs> roster resource, um, I'm he's not someone I'm really investing in because sure where you're getting him, there's plenty of profit potential. But there in that area, there's so many catchers where uh I'm not I'm not totally interested here. What what do you think of uh Mr Mr. Darneau?
2: Yeah, Darno, he just strikes me as, you know, sort of your your league average kind of catcher. Um, he's kind of a multi-tool, can play first base. He can be plugged in if Freeman has to take a day off and in, in DH or something. Um, he is. He does have value in Darno. Um, you know, combined with Tyler Flowers, we can just, you know, mention the bench catcher right away. Tyler Flowers is an exceptional defensive catcher, not anything offensively, um, but, you know, the Braves it, have it, proven
1: that they are very happy to use multiple catchers. So yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So you can almost expect to the see DH ain't going to eat,
1: And the DH ain't going to either of them.
2: <laughs> no, 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 it shouldn't. It shouldn't. It should go to Freeman if anyone, and then, you know, we, going into the bench again, Deval, but we can get to that in a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. We can move along. Swing
1: percentage, um, swing strike percentage, worst of Darno's <laughs> career last year. Oh, swing, worst of Darno's career. Yeah. Don't, don't really draft Darno. Um, who, again, if you happen to go to Arizona, would get a boost, but so was everyone else. So, whatever. And your NC here's an interesting guy. Uh, he kind of disappointed after being someone like a cheap, stolen base guy. He's now buried kind of in the lineup. So, I think that kind of takes the shine off the rose. And there's a very good chance he sees a, himself in a platoon with maybe Adam Duvall, who you just mentioned, yeah. uh, going lefty righty. So, steals or chills. Steals <laughs> are hard to come by later in the draft so I understand taking a shot. I mean just you know just a couple of years ago he's back-to-back seasons of 22 stolen bases and 28 stolen bases. Yeah. I think that is definitely well past where he's going to do ever again. Um I and The can't...
2: problem the problem with that is that yeah. he was hitting the top of the lineup. Yeah. You know those earlier years. Do we think he gets to 2017 and now he's down at the 8, you know? down in the lower spots in the lineup. And does he see those at bats and those stolen base attempts?
1: I will say that, I mean, in over, 100, over a hundred over, I had him playing a hundred games in 162 game season and getting yeah. four and getting 400, less than 400 at bats. So, I mean, for, I mean, over, I mean, the pace for that is maybe, maybe 15, probably less.
2: Yeah. Um, and he started to walk more too, as his career has, has moved along too. Right. So, you know, that takes, that's it. it essentially takes at bats away. Right. So he
1: actually, uh, he actually struck out a lot more as well. So oh, anyone, who, anyone who wants to take the uh, walk percentages, even as a plus, that's true. <laughs> he, he actually made it a little worse. So the main thing there is uh NCR He's, he's getting worse. I expect him to get worse as he gets older and uh, he's probably going to be in a platoon situation. I'm pretty, pretty confident in that. What do you think?
2: I agree. And it's like, it's unfortunate. He's, he's only 29, but I would think he's playing like he's 32 or 33 or even older than that. Um, so hopefully NCR today, I don't, I just hope for the best for him. I used to love, you know, plugging him in lineups at the, when he was hitting a top lineup and he's just yeah. losing speed and he's aging poorly and he's getting hurt. So that's, that's his main issue. <laughs> Unfortunately, um,
1: The next in the lineup is a very exciting player to talk about. It's too bad because it's yeah. such a good lineup. He can't, Quite be anywhere near high, but hopefully he can move up a couple spots. You know, maybe move where Darno is, and that's Dansby Swanson, uh, former num- number one overall pick. Was he? Uh, yeah, he was. And uh, sent over in the Shelby Miller trade <laughs> that worked out. Uh, uh, so yeah, it's it's last year. If you look at his numbers, he batted 251, 17 home runs, 77 runs, 65 RBIs, 10 stolen bases. Nothing to get too excited about. Uh, but he posted a 92 runs created plus in a year where the league average was 98. Um, but that was a 105 year high for the position. Uh, the main thing here to know for Dansby Swanson is that uh, this was definitely his best year to date. And he had a heel injury in July. Uh, in the first half before the heel injury, he batted 270, 330 on base, 493 slugging, seven 0.6 walk percentage, 19.7. K percentage in the second half after the heel injury, he batted 204 with a 315 254 slugging, with almost a 30 uh, percent strikeout rate. So <laughs> basically, you know, it's I think it's fairly obvious the heel injury really bugged this guy.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, so I'm all in on the first half. We saw, like you said, that the end numbers he batted 251 with 17 home runs and 10 stolen bases, and he did that with half a year with like a bum heel. Um, so I'm thinking that, you know, he has his best year to date will be this season. He, it wouldn't shock me to him to set his best line in even only 100 games.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, and just the big indicator for me there is the barrel rate. Um, you know, he just started he started to be more selective at the plate and his approach was a little refined. And like you said, injury um, that that is I think that's exclusively why, um, you know, he kind of went down and down in the dumps for a little bit there. But, you know, that allowed for his, his price to drop so drastically Um, and that's you know you got to take Dansby Swanson all day at his price right now and just he started you know he's he's, his OBP still rised you know amidst everything that that he has been going through Um, and the fact that he's been walking you know he's he's it kept a you know a fairly steady walk rate but um, the barrel rate you know he's becoming a more selective hitter hitting the ball hard and that's a that's a telltale sign that he's making good strides forward.
1: And he said for him, I mean, he career best line drive percentage, career low ground ball percentage, 88% s- uh, speed percentile. His X ISO was 37 points above his ISO. His X batting average was 271. You know, I said his, his, actual batting average is 251. It's all things you like to see. And he actually, I'm trying to find your 11th. He had the 11th best line drive percentage in major league baseball with a minimum of 500 plate appearances, even taking his second half into consideration. So um, really, I mean, I don't know, say sky's the limit, but for the value and where you're drafting him in you know, a shortstop is really deep. You know, you can afford to wait. <laughs> you can grab two, especially if you have a middle infield. Danzi Swanson is someone I definitely would be grabbing. Um uh, loves yeah. Swanson.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just looking, you know, at as as Woba, as as Wobacon, as ex-Wobacon, you know, he's underperforming everything in relation to how well. He's making contact with the baseball, and you can only see—you know—things are only going to go up for Dansby Swanson from here.
1: Uh, they have batting eighth right now, which again, there's going to be a DH, so this lineup will be a little differently because you throw someone else in there, it all be differently, which is very, very good for Dansby Swanson. By the way, he will probably end up batting around fifth or six in a DH lineup, which will drive all of the counting stats up. But again. It will for everyone else in the leagues, too. So, you know, grain of salt there. Uh, Johan Conmargo, they have, will have currently taking up the last spot in the lineup. Um, I don't know. I mean, Austin Riley started out really great in the power, and he obviously showed his warts. I was kind of hoping he would find the job because at least there's something there where if he fixed himself, which was – he look. I mean, he had some holes. Yeah. Uh, but Conmargo kind of is who he is. Uh, we saw in twenty well, in twenty eighteen he, he put up nineteen home runs over four hundred sixty four at bats. I think that's kind of what he is. But again, in today's baseball, it's I mean that's below league average. He's fine. He's a fine. He's fine ish third baseman. So I mean, but he, basically he's your, he's league average. I mean, when they say jag, just a guy. I mean that's Johan Camargo. He's basically just a guy. Uh, if you're in a twelve team league, he's he's he, with a DH no less now. He's if there is a DH on every team, there's no reason to own Camargo,
2: right? Right. And he has a well below league average barrel rate as well. His exit velocity is down there. I mean, the launch angles, whatever, but I mean, he's just he's not, yeah, he's nothing too special. He's not making very hard contact. Um, he's, I, not,
1: I, he's not, yeah, that's just that's Camargo. He's not, here. yeah.
2: Unfortunately, we can move. Well, fortunately, actually, we could almost move on to talking a little bit more about um, Austin Riley and that massive power that he
1: brings. Yeah. Go take lineup. it away. The guy that hopefully, I mean, <laughs> well, right now we'll spin right into all the people. They'll get more at bats <laughs> because of the DH. Let's start with Austin Riley.
2: Right. Austin Riley. So, um, absolutely raw power, um, six, you know, 70 grade raw power, his problem along with of other raw power prospects is his strikeout percentage. So he never really struggled with it much in the lower levels, um, even in AAA, he didn't really have that that bad of a K rate. Um, he walked pretty decently, and then he got to the major leagues, and he, he just tried to, um, you know, he tried to do a little bit too much, I think, as a rookie. But he, you know, he still came out with a bang. He hit the bombs. He displayed the power, and he displayed that he could play pretty good defense um, as well. And so, I could definitely see him um, taking over Kirk Camargo. I mean, I, it won't take very long, in my opinion, for that to happen, as long as he can sort out his strikeout issues
1: he was a better player than Camario in significantly less of bats, 274 bats cranked out 18 home runs. Obviously he did that over in a, a kind of a hot streak. Pitchers figured him out, but that happens to a lot of hitters. You know, it just happens. A lot of people are, are, are spoiled anymore with some of these guys like Juan Soto when they forget. I mean, and they, they look at, I've seen people call Vladimir Guerrero jr. A, a bust. <laughs> it's,
2: it's,
1: a, it's a half a year.
2: Yes. Uh, it takes time.
1: Yes. <laughs> So, I mean, you look at his 5 point, you know, again, we're talking about Riley again, 5.4 walk percentage, 36.4 K percentage. Yeah, that's not good, but he's going to improve upon that. I would think if he's not, he's obviously terrible, but I would love to stress that uh, his ISO was 245. So, I mean, there's some power there Um, in today's game, especially where there's going to be a DH at bats. I would expect him. If, um, if I was drafting today, he would be definitely someone I'd be investing in. Um, so who do you like more him or Adam Duvall? Uh, cause Duvall probably had himself some at bats anyway, because of a platoon situation. Um, unfortunately for him, um, it was probably gonna result in a little bit of the weak side of a platoon because, you know, facing lefties is never the place you want to be as far as a back count goes. Uh, but with the DH, um, where do you see him as far as fantasy value? Do you think that uh, like a Riley Camargo Freeman will be eating most of those? Or do you think that those outfield platoons will see plenty of time?
2: I mean, the outfield platoons, they will see plenty of time, but I just, I don't think Duvall will see plenty of time in the outfield platoons. And unfortunately, I mean, he's, he's a extremely fast dude, 88 percentile um, sprint speed, um, and a pretty good defender as well. So the, the Braves just have a classic problem. You know, they have a log jam absolutely in the outfield, um, even in parts of the infield. So um, Duvall hits the ball extremely hard, like Riley. I mean, they're almost, you know, they're almost identical players when you when you go down to it. Duvall may be a little bit more selective with his pitches, but Duvall in the EH role is something that I could definitely get behind. And, you know, why not try it out?
1: Yeah, I, I, I hope they do, because, I mean, you look at 2016 and 2017 with the Reds over a full season. He had 33 home runs and 31, uh, 103 RBIs and 99. So he pretty much got there, batted 241 and 249. But with those power numbers, you can more than more than take that. Last year was actually low key. His best season, very short sample size, you know, 121 runs created plus. Over those other seasons, 112 and 104, um, yeah. you know, he had other things dragging his value down. Oh, he actually had a 96 in his 31 home run year. He was actually below, again, according to that below average. <laughs> uh, last year, 10 home runs, oh, uh, over only 130 plate appearances, batting 267. So he was comfortable in Atlanta. And yeah, if he's going over where you can get him in drafts, again, you're talking about getting him rounds and rounds later than Chris Davis, who's – again, being ridiculously undervalued himself. but yeah with with the DH at bats, um, yeah, Duval here, uh, he, he seems like someone where the only issue is at bats, right? Riley I'd be interested in. Uh, but Duval, we've seen him do it. and I know if he got 600 plate appearances, I'd have no yep. doubt at the production we'd see from him. So yeah Adam Duval uh, with the DH, you know he's one of those things where you got to pay attention to the Braves, you know, as we get closer and closer, Get an idea of what their plan is. If Austin Riley's on the team, that's an issue for Adam Duvall. Hopefully, they'll just – maybe – we'll have to see how big they make the rosters too. And if they make the rosters bigger in a shortened season, we probably see more pitchers. But, you know, those are the two guys you want to key in on. It's just a bad at-bats.
2: Or Austin Riley can play third base and Adam Duvall. Oh, and Camargo just – yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's that too. So those are two guys that are definitely worth, worth a shot (laughs) that maybe necessarily weren't before. Um, They go from no value to possibly tons of value because of the ZH. And And, and
2: they're almost identical. Like they're, I mean, 30% K rate, you know, or a little, a shade below that is what you can probably expect from both of them. Mm -hmm. Monstrous power. Um, but you're, you're going to, you know, you just have to eat strikeouts and that's what yeah. you
1: you know what you're getting. Um, unless you're in a two catcher league, Tyler flowers, you're probably not going to touch unless you're streaming catcher. Right. Right. Um, heck of area, We're not talking about him. Charlie Culberson. I refuse to talk about Nick marcakis <laughs> his time has passed.
2: Right. Right. He's a, he's a pinch hitter in my opinion at this yes. point, but he needs to be, it's just unfortunate because he can still play the game of baseball and he still plays the big game of baseball extremely well. And there's just not a spot for them because you got guys like Drew Waters and Christian Pache that need to get up into the major leagues.
1: Speaking of which they will not be up this year, probably because of the rules where you get the full year of eligibility if you come up. So I would assume we do not see them at all. So that pretty much sums up the uh, offense. So let's move right into the pitching, which is interesting. I'll use, I'll (laughs) use the word interesting. Mike Soroka, right at the top. Uh, Mr. Weak contact himself. He, I don't think there is a pitcher that the uh, industry is more split on than Mike Soroka, maybe Shane Bieber, which is, is interesting, right? Cause they're, they're kind of, they're similar. Uh, Bieber is a lot more dominant. In fact, that he strikes people out that they, they do rely on, um, on trying to fool people. Soroka is more about getting you to swing and make contact and have really weak, weak contact. Um, it's not like he's, uh, It's not like he's Dakota Hudson relying on his defense to bail him out of being terrible. Soroka himself is very talented, but um, it's just a matter of, do you think, do you feel he's elite because of his strikeouts? That's, I guess the big difference here. Do you think that he can survive on weak contact? Because he obviously does have good defense behind him ish. (laughs) Um, So what do you, yeah, I don't know. I'll just leave it to you. Uh, Mike Soroka, I'm, He's someone I haven't been taking because it's like, I feel like he's being drafted at or above his ceiling. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people argue that he can do better, but I'm thinking that if you like him draft Kyle Hendricks and (laughs) do it four rounds later.
2: Exactly. That's exactly (laughs) what I was going to say. He is uh, you know, why not take Kyle Hendricks? They're the same exact pitcher. They're both um, really good ground ball pitchers, pitch to contact Soroka, I don't see the the k rate uh, really sustaining or improving in my opinion. Like he may keep um, a lower ERA, you know he may have a mid year uh, mid three five you know mid three era at when it's all said and done. but um I don't see the whiffs and the put away percentages you know remaining the same for his pitches because he just catches too much of the plate. like he's getting he's uh, he's he's exceptionally well for a twenty two year old. And I'm definitely not going to write him off, you know, right away because he has a lot of room for growth. He's he's literally only 22 years old. Um, so I, I think there are brighter days for Mike Soroka. But this season, yeah, I would take Kyle Hendricks, like you said, four rounds later for the exact same result and it's a higher not, floor.
1: Right. There's not. The the main thing here is like it doesn't want I don't want to make it seem like we're shitting on Mike Soroka. There's very few people like him that can survive at an elite level in fantasy baseball, you can still be really good. But I mean, uh-huh. Kyle Hendricks at his best and he look him up. He was very good. He was never really considered an elite asset in fantasy. The only guy I can think of is maybe Dallas Keuchel. He he got, he got taken towards the top. I don't think anyone ever benefited from it though. like, uh-huh. right. He, he did well. And then he got boosted up ADP wise. I don't think he ever delivered on ADP once he was actually given the respect he deserved. I don't right. think he ever delivered on it afterwards.
2: Right. And it's a hundred percent the price with Soroka. That's, yes. that's what it is with me. If he's a couple rounds later, you know, if I could ne- wait next year, he will that...
1: probably be next year. He'll probably be a bargain.
2: Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> and that's uh wait, I'm waiting for that. <laughs> and, but like Zach Gallen is literally going, you know, to almost 20 spots later than Soroka has been going. And I just don't, you know, that doesn't make any sense to me. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. Soroka just doesn't deserve to be picked where he is, in my opinion. He's not going to return the upside.
1: All right. Speaking of upside, Max Freed, um, <laughs> who they have listed as their starting pitcher too. I don't know if that necessarily is true. Cole Hamels was hurt. He won't be by the time the season starts. Uh, so whatever, we're going out of turn. You know, we're going to talk about Max Freed. As, as, as far as ADP goes, he's their, their starting pitcher too. Uh, <laughs> he didn't start out fantastic last year. Uh, then he added a slider. Um, and then he didn't throw it a ton, but he mixed it in and made all of his other pitchers be- pitches better. Uh, so the basically the idea is before he th- mixed that pitch in, he was a four two nine ERA, one four one WHIP, twenty two and a ha- twenty two point eight strikeout uh, strikeout percentage in the first half. In the second half, three six three ERA, one two two WHIP, twenty seven point four K percentage. Um, I see that, and I'm like, all right. If you think he's the guy from the second half, that's where I don't totally understand the hype with him. Only because of the other guys, again, he's being taken in the range at that time of, um, you know, Jesus Lazardo, which who obviously had yeah. an innings cap, he no longer does. Even, you know, there's Frankie Montas, um, yeah. Kyle Hendricks, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, he doesn't have the strikeout right. So what do you think of Max Freed? Because he just seems like I like him. But again, he yeah. seems like a guy who's probably being drafted or he's not allowing for a ton of pro- of um, profit. <laughs>
2: Right. And he isn't. Um, But I I honestly, I've ended up with Max Fried in a decent amount of leagues this season um, because I'm willing, I'm willing to take the chance on him because he's displayed an elite, you know, an elite level of of confidence on the mound. He's a pretty curve, pretty curveball. The curveball is just insane, you know, 28.2 put away rate. It's just um, it's it's unreal to watch. And the fact that he's developed the slider to somewhat, you know, add another pitch on the horizontal plane that doesn't quite break as much on the vertical plane. uh, It's going to be really interesting to see how he utilizes that and mixes it in this more this season. Um, But the big thing with him, you know, one of the strides that people write off um, right from the get go with him was a tangible stride dropping the changeup, essentially. Um, you know, he threw he threw it substantially last season, and it got absolutely crushed in 2018. Um, so he kind of dropped, you know, stopped using the changeup more and started using the curveball lower in the zone, you know, starting it in the strike zone and ending it outside of the strike zone. And so that's the big thing with these big hammer curveball throwing guys is starting it in the zone, making it look like a strike, and then having it drop out of sight out of the zone and that's, you can't have it break into the zone or you know what's going to happen.
1: Yeah. I I think I'd like him more if he doesn't have a ton of spin on the fastball that you like to see that high spin, which I think is fine. If he, if he was going to work more on that beautiful curveball and work in that slider, (laughs) he threw in in the second half. I think I'd like him more because I think the strikeouts I believe in more. But again, I think with that average fastball, I'm going to call it average. It performed above average, but it, it is average. Um, I I think it's going to induce too much contact that's going to bring down that strikeout percentage that everyone, again, I think is hoping for. I think it's going to bring it down enough to not give him the value you need in fantasy. I think he'll be good. But for fantasy, you need those strikeouts where he's being drafted. And I need to see more out of his fastball or I need to see a a pitch mix change that utilizes more of his swing and miss pitches, which he does have. So I see it. Mm-hmm. But it's like I don't kind of like to draft on things I've never seen before. I'm not in his head. I don't know what they're deciding to do. They maybe they want him to pitch to contact. For God's sake, Soroka is the number one. Um, <laughs> right. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, so that's my hang up with him. I love him, uh, but for fantasy, I am, I am passing this year where he's currently being taken. That's understandable.
2: And and another thing, yeah, just with pitch you know, pitch mix, picks, pitch, pitch usage changes. I <laughs> pitch think, mix. Say that five times fast. Pitch mix. Pitch mix. <laughs> um, so the four seamer, he did decrease the usage. Yes. Just like 2%, but he's, you know, he's knowledgeable of Mm. his misuse of that pitch. And so that's what, that's why I'm really curious and I was willing to take the flyer um, on him for 2020 um, to see if, you know, if he could reduce that even more and put more stock into that curveball, you know,
1: that would be great. (laughs) I believe, I do believe if that happens, I definitely am on (laughs) board with it being great. Uh, Mike, Mike Fultonavich. Uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to be out. Uh, his fastball got destroyed. Yep. Um, and he, and more importantly, his velocity was way down uh, a couple of things. I I don't like to see at all. Um, there's some people that are high on him because he did actually have results down the stretch that gave people a reason to believe. But again, he, he when he was at his best, his velocity was a certain point and is he's not there and I need to see it there before I'm back on board.
2: Yeah, I'm out on Fultonevich as well. I've never been in on Fultonevich to be to be honest with you, and the injuries is is a main driver um, mm-hmm. behind that. And I've just I've always been a very risk-averse person when it comes to injuries, and Fultonevich has always fell under that category. And the slider, you know, he's kind of a one-pitch pitcher in my opinion, and he's kind of you know he's kind of along the lines as as Denelson Lamet in this kind of sense with a slider. It's just, if, if it's not, if no other pitch is working for him, then he's just, he's not going to make it very long in that rotation. And they have too many prospects coming up through the pipeline that are exceptional at commanding, um, you know, two to three of their pitches instead of just one that deserve a chance.
1: All right. Well, we'll go through the last two guys that are in the rotation before hitting up some of the prospects that are probably going to take their jobs. Cole Hamels. He's fine. Um yes. he's good. fine he's fine. Uh he he already he already showed that he could get injured. Uh you know, he's older. What do you think? What do you think of Cole Hamels? I mean, I like There's Cole so many Hamels. there's at that point of the draft, I'm fine on taking the boring guys. I'm fine fine taking boring guys earlier. When it gets to his point in the draft, I'd much rather go upside and I know some people would love to take, you know, his boring statistics the Stephen Matz statistics i like danny duffy but i actually believe <laughs> danny duffy has a lot more to offer in terms of ceiling if he can get back to where he was but i mean yeah i don't know tell the tale of why anyone should draft cole hamels because i don't know he puts me to sleep he does
2: and um <laughs> he's kind of along the lines of kyle Hendricks, right he's along you know he's 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 kind of the same pitcher to me but he i just love that you know he has the fastball and the changeup. Um, combination and that's a, so something with you know him having the changeup it's almost like a greg maddox type of thing where he could increase the longevity of his career if he starts using the changeup more often and you know just lays off throwing pitches that make him cut his elbow you know in an inward rotating fashion um, so at his age i drafted him in tg FBI, to be honest even knowing that he was going to be out
0: mm-hmm. for
2: however many weeks um, because he's a stabilizer he's a stabilizer in roto leagues, um, he has a potential to have a three-five um, ERA if you know if he's able to keep his pitches lower in the zone. Um, but yeah, you know he is what he is. Like you said, he's he's a fairly boring, a boring pitcher. But Cole, he's Cole Hamills, and he isn't completely down the gutter yet. And I think he's still got some left in the tank.
1: Yeah, I mean, if he's healthy, I mean, this this is me. If he if he gave you a four ERA, a one-three whip in like just above a 20% strikeout rate, but was healthy for the whole season, would you be happy with that? Were you probably drafting him? Because I think that's probably what you're looking at with him. He can do better, but I think if you draft him, you got to expect that.
2: Right, and I I, I think I did draft him expecting that just based on the way that I built my team um earlier in the earlier rounds basically you know building four lower era in the first place so i could afford that so maybe that's why i have maybe a little personal bias towards towards taking him for a potential upside and that's why i took him you, you know there is potential for some upside of a sub you know uh you know a, a era below four that's just my opinion others don't see it but um hamels is still cole hamels
1: um, a couple of guys that, uh, real quick, well, a couple of guys that could have something to say in the rotation again, in a, in a shortened season, we could see an extended bench, which could see more pitchers, which could mean starters go less, more people are using the bullpen. It's, you know, we'll have to hit this up as we go, but assuming that these guys will just be used out of the rotation and not long relief. Would you have interest in drafting Kyle Rye or Ian Anderson in let's say a 12 team league. And then we'll extend that out to like a DC type thing.
2: Yeah, 12 team. Um, we skip Felix
1: Hernandez by the way. Um I'm sorry King Felix but we you know, I'm sorry, no one's drafting you and they shouldn't.
2: Oh, I'm so sorry. I used to love King Felix so much. Hey, I,
1: I love you. I hope you do well, but yeah, we all, we we all know it ain't ain't gonna happen.
2: <laughs> we hope for the best. We do. Um but Ian Anderson and Kyle Wright, very interesting. I, I love Ian Anderson, and, I've you know, I've, I've been hoping to see him up in the majors um, even as soon as, you know, 2019. And it's just it's the simple problem of Atlanta having a massive logjam in their entire system. Um, and, and Ian Anderson, you know, he's tall. He's kind of got that goofy over-the-top delivery like we were talking about with Kevin Ginkle. The other day um he kind of he pitches a lot like alex fado um, a prospect that i've been talking about a lot and he just has that elite changeup, and he has a lot of natural run um on the fastball uh, mid to upper 90s on the fastball and you know his main issue was he just he had a home run problem last season and uh he just he, he hung too many fastballs is, is
1: anderson, anderson also tends to walk a ton of people
2: Yes. Yeah. The high walk rates will, will get you. And then all of the other statistics, um, in tandem, you know, cascading effects being inflated because of the walks, um, putting, you know, issuing free passes to runners, putting more runners on base. And then when you give up a home run, it's three runs instead of just one. So if he can control his walks, um, Anderson is a very deceptive and interesting uh, prospect.
1: Now Kyle, Kyle right. He had good strikeout numbers, good home run rate, good walk percentage in the minors. Um, is it who would you be more interested in? Let's just say if you were banking on that fifth spot between Felix Hernandez and another guy we didn't talk about, which we'll hit on Sean Newcomb, who I think <laughs> probably earned his way out of the rotation and maybe long relief or something. But I would think that it's in a, in a perfect world, especially in fantasy, if you're banking on it, you're hoping for Kyle Ryder, Ian Anderson to take one of these jobs. Um, so who would you bank on if you had to invest Kyle Ryder, Ian Anderson?
2: I would love to see Anderson, but I would have to put my stock into Kyle Wright. Um, my personal opinion is that Kyle Wright should—he deserves a shot at that fifth spot—and um, then maybe even Bryce Wilson behind him um, mm-hmm. because he has gotten a shot, um, and he, you know he he has faltered, but but yeah, back on Wright real quick—he's shown the ability to have. Three plus pitches, and he might even, you know, he might have a fourth plus pitch two to three years down the road. In the changeup, we may, you know, we we won't know until he gets into the major leagues, and he's given that chance. That's why I've been wanting to see him um, so bad. But he has pretty good command, not quite as good as Ian Anderson, um, but I mean, the fastball, the sliders, elite, uh, the curveball is 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 getting there. Um, but the changeup is developing, and if he can if he can improve his changeup a little bit, becomes a four pitch pitcher. He is going to anchor that rotation in 2021.
1: Yeah. Uh, so my my opinions. Sh- long story short is Newcomb was already sent to the bullpen last year. I think he stays there. If not, maybe he's off the team sooner than later. King Felix, I don't think is going to stick. We love you, King Felix. Good luck to you, Ian Anderson. Given the row, given the climate, I think he's maybe in the minors for the year. Uh, we'll see with, yeah, you know, we'll see what happens with the rules and how they extend. But I think he's down. So Kyle Wright, if I'm drafting anyone. I like him. I, I would rather draft him than Cole Hamels because, I you know he's cheaper too. Um, right. You know everything considered, you know you, I think Kyle Wright will be in the rotation, and I, I do like that. Um, yeah. So we will end with the bullpen real quick because I know we are mm-hmm. trying to keep these to forty-five minutes or so. We're we're not yeah. doing too well, but hey, <laughs> we're we're getting. They they have a lot of people worth talking about on the Braves to our credit. Um, they are know, but, they are deep. They're they deep, deep a lot up. of fantasy goodness. So Mark Melanson, Will Smith, who the hell should you draft first? <laughs> Cause I've seen <laughs> it both the ways ADP seemed to suggest Will Smith was the guy early on. And everyone's like to hell with that. Uh, we're taking <laughs> Mark Melanson. And I think that is probably the way to go. Um, in all reality, bullpens are going to be used a ton, especially in a shortened season. They both should be drafted. Uh, I say Melanson's the guy you draft first. These are both guys that you should be drafting in the, I don't know, the the boring middle (laughs) area you know after all the top guys are gone they're kind of all interchangeable to me but i think melanson gets the lion's share what do you think
2: yep i agree i mean Melanson's going to get the nod he's going to get the nod at the closing roll he's going to be the de facto closer until he proves that he can't be and who knows will smith melanson could be used in tandem you know will smith being a left-hander melanson being a right-hander you never know who you're going to see in the ninth inning, and that um, yeah, that poses an issue for for delving out who's the best fantasy closer there. But I would go with Melanson. First. Who would
1: you rather have, either of those or uh, or Kila?
2: Oh, that's tough because keela does have Birdie coming up behind him. Um, I would probably take I would I would take Melanson just because the Braves are going to win a ton more games than the Pirates are.
1: <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, all right, uh, so that is the Atlanta Braves. There is no one really left to talk about from a fantasy perspective, at least for 2020, because uh, that is what we were hitting on. They have a ton of guys, like we said, in the minor leagues, but you know that there's a time and a place we'll talk about them another time. So the Braves. <laughs> they're a really good team. We've taught They have a lot of fantasy relevant players. So hopefully you learned something. Uh, the main takeaways are, uh, you know, the the DH. We want to see what situation plays out there and who's going to get the at bats and in the rotation. You know, right now they have King Felix kind of slotted in there. When the time comes, you want to see um, Kyle Wright is definitely going to be put in that rotation and uh, you know how they're going to handle some of their young guys. Um, any other takeaways, uh, Corey, that you think is the most important thing for anyone you know investing in these Atlanta Braves?
2: No, you nailed it right on the head. And just to reiterate that they have an extremely deep club, so it may make for some challenging decisions um, when setting rosters throughout this fantasy season, because I can see them moving players around a lot, like more than people are expecting, Um, especially, you know, if it's 100 degrees in Arizona, it may as well be 100 degrees in Florida, and the humidity is just as bad. So, um, you know, they're going to try to divvy up playing time, I think, as much as possible in a shortened season to preserve in, you know, injury risk.
1: All right. Uh, if, if you want to follow the show, uh, definitely follow us on Twitter at Turn2Podcast. We love hearing feedback. Uh, if you have any questions about the Braves or any future teams, we're hitting the Baltimore Orioles up next. Uh, Corey, where can everyone chase you down and let them know uh, where they can find your work if you have anything coming up that they should be aware of?
2: So on Twitter, at corey 5 Ot, I have a deep dive in Daniel Ponce coming out, and then um, probably an article on my MLB Remix League team, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers I've been drafting for. Um, so I'm probably going to come out with an article on that, um, either for SP Streamer or Prospects 365. And then uh, other than that, just a lot more prospect work, taking one team at a time with the turn two team. So this should be a lot of fun moving on, I think, to the Baltimore Orioles are going to be the next team.
1: Yep. All right. If anyone wants to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Williams, M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. Yeah. Good luck with the fantasy season. Hopefully we'll get some more, uh, more clear picture as this series goes along, but you know, we'll try to make it as broad as possible. So you can see if you're making drafts now, if you can't, if you have the itch, You'll, uh, you'll be more prepared than the average person. Uh, so I'll leave you with this. Draft Dansby Swanson, no matter what, he's going to be of value no matter where he's playing, uh, no matter what the city, no matter what the stadium. Draft Dansby Swanson. Uh, so, yeah, we will be back. Enjoy your week, everybody.
0: My, oh, my. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play fantasy. I know I turned two in that day, but the laces ain't hot in my veins. I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today and smash play. I'm prepared to listen, the ex flipping whip got me looking way past the pitches. Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first, he can say I'm ready to go. <laughs> I ain't trying to steal second or third. Cause I want to win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it in the points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But well, what they call it? Turn two Turn two, what they doing? Win leagues Catch out, out. Peace